Hi Tom, hi Steve. Ich wünsche euch eine tolle Show. Vielleicht kann ich bald meinen Senf dazugeben. I'm Tom Witham. I'm Steve Miles. And you'll have to excuse me for my voice, actually, if you hear any difference. Uh, I just came home from work. Well, you had to yell at everybody. (laughs) There may have been yelling. I don't know. Uh, No, I have a 45-minute commute, and so I was listening to The Sounds of the 80s. (laughs) And uh, Never Surrender by Corey Hart came on, followed by The Power of Love, followed by Rebel Yell. Uh, So... I sang it probably the loudest volume I could, so my my voice is strained. Never surrender the power of the level, rebel yell. That's what I say. That's right. <laughs> Never surrender. I love the '80s so much. Uh, see, now my voice is always all over the place, so I can't. I can never say something about your voice being less than normal. Seriously, yeah. I never can control the weird the, the cadence or the tone of my voice from one minute to the next, from one day to the next. At least my voice will be fine. It'll be scratchy. It'll be high pitch. And I just, it's all over the, it's like a perpetual 13 year old forever. <laughs> Going it through does. puberty. It doesn't, like it doesn't break, but I, I, I never have a consistent tone of voice and it always bothers me. Always has. Hmm. I need therapy. I need a, I need to talk to a psychologist. I think I need therapy too, because every once in a while I'll finish talking and then I'll think in my head, did I just yell that? <laughs> <laughs> Should I have yelled that? I think I'll try again, but I'm going to yell it. Every once in a while, I just think, did did that come out way too loud? I want some bacon! Well, yes. (laughs) You have to yell that. People need to know. Yeah, because that I want some bacon is always followed by an exclamation. (laughs) Never a question mark. No, a question mark. Don't be silly. (laughs) What's your favorite 80s song? Oh, God. I see 80s in particular. (coughs) Choking. Sorry. Wow. It's emotional to me, you know? It just filled my... (laughs) Was there a whole chest with? Was there a whole pumpkin in that swallow? Yeah, I guess I got the stem. <laughs> pumpkin spice beer my ass. Pumpkin poison. No, anyways, no, it's delicious poison. Mm. I weirdly enough, for a big period of time when I was living in the eighties, my favorite song at all of all time was uh, "Nobody's Fool" by Kenny Loggins. Yes, love that song. Could not get enough of that song. That is from Caddyshack Two. For Caddyshack Two, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so maybe that might be my all-time favorite song of the '80s. Not all time. Yeah, respect. Yeah, Corey Hart, "Never Surrender." Absolutely, that sums up the '80s for me. <laughs> Just the sound, the saxophone. Never, I'm trying to think of what that. It's not coming to mind for me. You have to sing some. I'm not singing any. Whistle it. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I got it now. Yeah. Uh, Just a little more time is all I'm asking for. <laughs> No, that's, that's how it starts. I don't. This is not ringing a bell for me whatsoever. God. I wish I could play it right now and we could have the rights to it uh, and I would I'm, play it. It's going to be my homework. I have to look it up. I, I, I'm sure it's going to be one of those ones where I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that song. Of course you are. It's not going. Now, uh, if I want to be, I don't know, intellectually honest, I always said my favorite band of all time is Metallica, which and they did their best work in the 80s. So I'm sure something like Master of Puppets or Blackened or one or something like that would be my favorite 80s song just because of consistency that makes any sense yeah well i'm i guess for me it it is something that transports me 
Yeah, I have a lot of. I love a lot of the like the the actual playlist I was playing from was uh, I put together this playlist of songs that were in eighties movies. Oh, okay. So, uh, well, you put that on. I think I started my commute with "Cry Little Sister," and uh, boy, it just. Whew, That's a song I loved in the eighties too. That the first time I heard that on Lost Boys, holy crap! I was done. The was, first time was, you saw a sexy man oiled up playing the saxophone. That was not "Cry Little Sister." But yes, I know. But it was from the movie. Uh, yeah, I have uh, I have songs that take me back. Oh, also, um, "Jumping the Line" by Harry Belafonte came on, so I had to listen to that like ten times. Um, oh yeah, well that's, uh, well, that's Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah, it's not an '80s song per se. I don't I don't think. I think that's an older song than that. But it's from Beetlejuice, which is I love that movie enough to name one of my children after Harry <laughs> so, Belafonte. Beetlejuice. Yeah. No, I named I named my daughter Harry Belafonte. <laughs> well, you know, said, no. If if nothing else in the world, kids love having unique names. They love it. They always love it. Well, I tried. I my first two daughters. Uh, one was Harry. I had and one no was control. Belafonte. Yeah. <laughs> I tried naming him one of them uh, Wilhelmina, <laughs> and uh, pretty much everybody said it's a good thing you didn't have any control over the names. <laughs> so when I finally did, I tried. I tried to pass one under the radar. By not being a ridiculous name, but it was still a Beetlejuice character. So I had learned my lesson. You got to be subtle. Yeah, you got to learn subtlety. That's the way it works. Right. Yeah. First couple of times you get steamrolled, but. Yeah. I mean, if I ever had kids, I definitely have to name one of them November and the other one Rain. I just hope <laughs> nobody puts two and two together. Yeah. I'm sure nobody would. No. Like, yeah. It's because it'd be subtle. I'm in the first one Rain and the second one November, and that'll, oh, that'll pull I see it what off. You did there. Yeah. Yeah. See? You know, Rain, you're like, okay, you're kind of a hippie, I get it, but that's fine. You know, if you can name a kid Summer, you can name a kid Rain, right? You know, come on. Yeah. And then, next one's born. But by that time, I plan to be rich and famous so I can name my kid a weird-ass name, and it's just eccentric and unique and not just, you know, cruel and heartless. And then you could, come here, November, or no, why don't you just, yeah, like if you're that rich, you just name your child, like, first name November, middle name Rain. You okay, mean, yeah. November, come over here, sweet child of mine. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't calm down, I'll send you to the goddamn Paradise City. Welcome to the jungle, Mr. <laughs> Brownstone. <laughs> it's a civil war up at this bitch. Uh, then we'd, we'd have to get into some of the more obscure stuff. I have no patience for this. Have to watch out for the spaghetti incident. <laughs> yeah. Strangely enough, I do plan to bring up Mr. Axel Rose as time goes on in this particular episode okay let's dive in feet first okay we're talking, we're talking about music we might as well talk about some music that is manufactured manufactured as opposed to original unique organic organic although i hate that term's thrown around a lot i don't know i feel like it's do you, overused do you hate it because it's thrown around a lot or do you hate it because it only semi applies I hate it because it's thrown around a lot. Because I because I'm a dirty, dirty hipster, and oh, if once something right. becomes popular, I was I had to automatically stop hate, start hating it. No, <laughs> no, not that bad. No, because it's not really. I don't know. Organic is used in, as a catch-all for good. Like if it's if you say something's organic, you're automatically saying, "Oh, it's good," which is not necessarily true. Plus, technically, all organic means is it contains carbon. Ah, uh, science. <laughs> no, organic means that it's grown in its own garden with no GMOs, and and it's just yeah. human feces as fertilizer. Yes, that's only that's the only way you get truly organic food is mm-hmm. if you shit in your own garden. Yeah, that's it's recycling. If you only eat from your garden, then you shit in your own garden. Mother Nature is smiling on you. 
I heard the Japanese perfected this technique of using their feces to make a a food that tastes just like steak. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like <laughs> if if you could do anything with feces, Japanese will figure out a way to do it. Right. Like that's probably how they grow those square watermelons is with you know sumo wrestler feces. You know those are only decorative, right? Sumo wrestlers. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, they're pretty pretty. Pretty pretty. Pretty pretty. Well, really fair. What are we talking about here? We're talking about uh, like a producer building a super group to. Yeah, and a- I feel like we're not gonna. We don't need to restrict this just to music, but this is a debate that rages mostly in music, which yeah. is could the cookie cutter manufactured corporate type of. This is what the audience wants, so we're gonna give them what the audience wants to make money, as opposed to I have. <laughs> I have music in my soul, and I need to express it. Well, you have um, a lot of a lot of people now, especially country music singers, don't write their own music. Yeah, and this is a- that's something that came as actually it came as kind of a surprise to me. I remember this would have been late nineties. Um, I was pretty naive, and uh, I I listened to an interview with a country music star, and they talked about how they were given. A, a bunch of songs to kind of try out and they picked and choose pick the song that they wanted to sing and put it on their album and <clears throat> it was their song but it wasn't their song they didn't write it yeah uh i was looking into this dolly parton kenny rogers island in the stream was written by the bgs that's not, that makes sense that's it sounds like weird. something that the bgs would do um a british I guess... disco band wrote for an american country duo that's I mean, that's the weirdest combination I can think of. <laughs> right. Um, well, I, I think that a lot of, as I'm listening to like Sirius Radio in the 80s on 8, and they in between songs, they kind of talk about being on the inside, like being insiders in the industry. And they'll sometimes talk about a song. And like, it's a little bit depressing because I when I think of David Bowie, I think of probably one of the most creative people ever. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, I listened to an, it wasn't necessarily an interview, but it was kind of a little blurb about how he ditched his sound to go mainstream because he wanted a number one hit and he brought people on board and it was, he put together a group of people that was, I can't exactly, I can't remember exactly what song they were talking about. I, if you gave me a couple minutes, I could probably kind of locate it, but it was a change in sound for him and it was more to blend in with what was mainstream and he actually did climb the charts and he was successful in writing like a number one song to get the Grammy, to get the hmm. billboard number one, to sell all the albums. And it was like a punch in the gut to me when I heard yeah. that, because when I think David Bowie writing uh, music, I think of a tortured soul that's locked themselves in a dark closet and, you know, looking in the mirror and writing <laughs> things and you don't, when I think of David Bowie, I don't think of somebody that like corrals a bunch of insiders that write music and like they write something specifically to be a number one hit because I want that award. I want what's going to come out of it at the end. And it took me by surprise because who who else has done that? I now that I've learned that like Elvis Presley used to not only, you know, play like he made a lot of songs famous that he didn't write. Like they were songs that oh, were yeah. around the bayou for the longest time. And here he comes along and makes a mainstream. And all of a sudden everybody thinks this is, well, at least I say everyone, you know, I thought half the songs Elvis did were, you know, or most of the songs that Elvis did were his songs, but come to find out 
like none of them were. Yeah, it's uh, I was looking at this up. This guy named Ben Wiseman wrote over 50 songs for Elvis. And there was uh, something I saw that said because he felt so sensitive about that idea that he wasn't creating his own songs, the guy would let him put uh, producer credit or co-writer credit on the song. So it's people would look at it and say, okay, well, you know, he still had input. He still had his ideas. It was like, no. Somebody went to Elvis and said, here's a song for you. He's like, yeah, okay, I like that well enough. And he sang it. I mean, it's, and this is a lot of pop songs. A lot of the top 40 hits are like this. Like I found a, a list of stuff. Uh, UB40's Red Red Wine was written by Neil Diamond. Uh, Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You was written by Prince. Yeah, Prince was, he churned out a lot of songs. Um, Ryan Tedder from One Republic. You'd be shocked to find out how many, like, how many people sing his songs that he's written. I mean, he's got his own band that he's in and they have success and he's written a ton of songs for modern pop singers that they're having success. And, uh, you know, it just, it's fascinating to me that he has a band. Why isn't he singing his own music? And to me, I guess like he writes things specifically for certain people. So it's going to make a lot of money (laughs) when, when you think about, uh, music rights and you think about money and writing credits and all that, like it almost makes sense to be a writer and not a performer. Well, the big money is where if you're a performer though, that's the thing. If you're a performer, okay, like I got, I found this quote from actually Lady Gaga who I respect. I mean, her music's fine. It's pop dance music. I like Lady Gaga. You don't have to. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there. I'm probably not going to buy her album, but I'll listen to songs and it's pretty good. But she writes her own music. And she did an interview where she talked about singers and rappers who don't write their own songs saying they're not. We, can we really call them artists? Like, uh, what did she say here? It's like karaoke for pretty girls. <laughs> if you're uh, if you're somebody that all they do is play, you know, sing the songs that somebody else wrote for you, you're the face. Those are the people like they're never the ugly people. Like they're never the the three hundred pound soul singer type. They're the well, they're the Taylor Swift. They're the I guess Katy Perry writes her own songs, but you know they're the they're the the hot blonde the or the GQ model looking guy or something like that. They're, they're the face people, and somebody else writes their music for them. In essence, they're actors. That's what they are. They have a talent. They can sing. They can hold a note. Not all of them are like amazing singers. They can put them up in like an opera. And have them do the soprano aria or something like that. Not all, some of them maybe, but most of them they just they know how to hold a note and they look good in front of a camera. And That's true. Dance. Well, um, one of somebody's really bucking the system there, and uh, I don't know if you listen to any Sia. I know of her. I, I've heard. I actually do have one of her songs. I might. I'm I'm a huge Sia fan. I love almost everything she puts out. She is incredibly talented, but she's another one like Ryan Tedder. Where she's written, she's probably written more songs that other people have performed than yeah. she's performed herself. Like if she's put out five albums, she's put out, she's written like ten albums for other people. Yeah, she's that, she's that musically talented, and she stays behind a uh, wig. She doesn't show her face. She was a an unbelievable alcoholic and drug addict at one point, hmm. and I think that really took a toll on her physically. And she, she's a, you know an average looking human being. She's not grotesque and she's not a fashion, you know, she's not a supermodel. She's like a, an average looking person, but she has decided that she's going to sing behind a facade and you're going to like her for her music and not for her look. So like, I have a lot of respect for her. I, I also have a lot of respect for, um, 
other people that just sing like Taylor Swift. I like Taylor Swift and she, she looks good. She's got a, you know, she's a good role model to some degree. Um, she's turning evil. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard any of her new stuff. She's yeah, total... I've heard about it. Like she's like trying to go dark and edgy and nervous. She, she is. She's all dark and edgy. She's like, Oh, Taylor's dead or some shit like that. So she yeah. can't use the phone. <laughs> I like it. I like that side of her. I want to see the villain. This is Taylor what I'm Swift. thinking. Though. This is where the controversy is. And I'm going to be, I don't know. I guess every other episode or so, I got to sound like an elitist asshole. So here we go. Once I find out that somebody doesn't write the bulk of their songs, I lose respect. If they're just a singer, like Elton John wrote almost none of his biggest hits, but he can sing and he can play the piano. So he's a performer. He does it. So I, I have respect enough for him. If I found I'm not even sure one way or the other, but if I found out Billy Joel never wrote his own music, I would still, which I actually do think he did, but I might be wrong. But either way, I would still have respect because he can still play that piano well. He can still sing the part well. So that's fine. But all, all you are is a singer. You can't even play an instrument and you don't even write your own music. I feel like you're a third tier performer at best. Like I lose you. If you're a superstar, like, like Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber doesn't write his own shit either. Like, if you heard the clip of him, like what's his big hit now? Despacito or something. No idea. Yeah. I don't, it's, I, I, I can't avoid, I've never, I've heard like snippets, but I can't. So cause I can't avoid it entirely. Never heard the whole song all the way through, but it's a Spanish song. And, his fans are going crazy for it. He didn't write that shit. He doesn't speak Spanish. There's a clip of him trying to sing it like off off the cuff, mm-hmm. and he can't remember the lyrics. So he starts saying burrito, taco, and shit like that. <laughs> and it got a lot of people pissed off because it's disrespecting you know Spanish people and blah blah blah. But uh, yeah, he doesn't. He barely knows the songs that he performs because he doesn't make them himself. I lose a lot of respect. Like I'm saying, like so, what am I appreciating about this person? Their ability to hold a note adequately and their ability to be born with good looks that's it How, what, what what more is there to respect well, about them? the allure of celebrity but i guess manu- this is the manufactured part their entire persona is a manufactured you got to be in a certain uh, shape you got to be in good shape you got to be good looking you have to have a good enough presence on stage so you'll be able to dance around to some extent um that's all we need so you are a package put out to the world. You could be lifted up and replaced tomorrow and the world will forget about you in about a month because you don't add, you do not provide the content. Like if you're not writing your own music, you're not creating anything. Taylor Swift, because she's got the momentum behind her, because she's got the fan base, people feed her music to sing. Although I guess now that I say that I did hear, you know, she writes about all her bad breakups and shit like that. So maybe she does her own music. So I'm using Taylor Swift as an example. I might not be able to, but, um, but any of these people like Elvis, like, and this is like the third rail of entertainment industry. Don't shit on Elvis. But this is a guy that he was all flash, all image. He didn't write his own music. He danced around on stage. He was he just sold his image. He maybe was the first real example of this. I don't know. But he was all flash, all image. How do you really respect a guy that if you found somebody and there's a fucking army of Elvis impersonators out there that essentially do no different than Elvis himself? What's the difference between a Vegas Elvis impersonator? There's a good job impersonating Elvis and Elvis himself if he did not write his own music. I guess that you would have to then say that he was bigger than life. He was he brought a legendary experience when he came to town to play a show. Or if you put on an Elvis record, I mean, you were buying into that legendary yeah, everything. That, and that's it, the package he got presented. Right. But I mean, you don't have to look much further than American Idol. Exactly. That, uh, today it's a sign of the times, but it, but it's not really a sign of the times. It's it's what's been going on all along. It's just 
now we wanted to peel back the curtain so we could watch the process. But what it all boils down to is there's a group of producers that are sitting at a table mm-hmm. and then they invite people in to audition. And now we're able to witness in quote unquote, be a part of the process by voting for these people. But what they're doing is they are showing you that we need you to look this way. We need you to sound this way. Mm-hmm. Don't do original songs. That's like a right. Like, nobody auditions with an original song in these things. Um, but what we need from you is to, we need you to pick the song that best suits you and how you look and how you act. We're going to put you on stage and we're going to pit you against other people that we've already, we've groomed the same way we've groomed you. And then we're going to find out who's best and whoever's best. We're going to give a fat contract to, and we're going to send you across the country singing. People are going to eat it up. And then, you know, a year later, nobody's going to know who you are and we're going to start all over again. And the, um, I guess, you know, that's been going on forever to some degree. Um, I think that when you and I talked about this topic, what the, we were both thinking in our heads was Backstreet Boys and, and Sync. To, and yeah, initially, yes, exactly. It was a, a producer looking at the success of New Kids on the Block and saying, I can do that. Oh, it did start with New Kids on the Block. At the very least, it started with the Monkees. Okay, yes. <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking more like in a modern setting, but you're right. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Monkees. I mean, like I said, the idea of these performers, these musicians as actors, that was the monkeys. They were actors. They were get, they were a formulated... I mean, the monkeys TV show, that's all you need to know right there, right? Right. Because they were a, a formulated band for, you know, this is what the thing is about boy bands or girl bands, like the Spice Girls. So, the, you know, girl, brand, uh, girl bands, for whatever reasons, are rarer, mostly because it's girls that eat this stuff up, so they're not going to be... You gotta add the sex appeal of the boy band as an and add a push towards the women audience or girl audience. But uh they're they're not just they go a step beyond the pop stars. They're not just manufactured as far as the songs they sing. They're manufactured, they're like a little bit of a drama. Cause each one has a little personality. Like this is the bad boy. This is the sensitive <laughs> one. This one's the I don't fucking know. The intellectual. Do they have an intellectual and boy? I don't I don't know what the whatever story they're trying to feed you. Right. You know, and um, they all have their personality. So this is all, this is a scripted drama in the form of a musical ensemble that is put out there to the world. Like, okay, here's your soap opera in with a catchy tune, essentially, you know, you're going to like this one because we chose him to be the edgy one with the sharp pointed facial hair. So, you know, he's, <laughs> you know, he's the one that's going to break your heart, but you're going to love the ride. But this one will, he'd be there for you because he's got the curly mop top and <laughs> he's sensitive. Well, I guess I don't hate this process. All I'm asking is to be entertained. Now, yeah, yeah. There's there's a handful of InSync songs that I like. There's a few that I tolerate, but the majority of it, I'm not a big fan of that style. It's just not my cup of tea. So it passes me by. But how can you argue? There's there's a saying like, how can you argue with a billion Elvis fans or whatever the saying is? Yeah, but it holds true. Like this appeals to people. It's not like it's not like they're fooling anybody. Even if people are fooled, it's still entertaining them. So I guess if if a producer can assemble a cast in a TV show, there really isn't any reason why a producer can't assemble a cast of singers to entertain us in a way that... I mean, you have you have purists. Well, and, and I was just thinking about the other side of the coin where you have a band like Tool mm-hmm. that create... They create every sound they make, you know, 
organically. <laughs> mm. But they grow up from the compost. No. <laughs> they they are not cookie cutter in any way, shape, or form. They are they don't even Which care what their fans shows you think. don't have to be cookie cutter to be popular. Right. But it I can't say it's more rare because I really can't back that up with anything. I think that there is there are musicians that are born out of a love for the music and people that are just extremely talented that can write really, really good music. Some people like there was a time during the eighties. I remember where you'd buy an album and there'd be two good songs on it. And the rest of it was trash. Oh my God. That's like every other album I ever bought was like that. Yeah. And, And you know, like, is that a result of the band has two really good ideas and the rest of it? Hey, let's keep everybody on the hook here for the rest of the album. Well, this is something that I thought of. I had one point. I had one point I want to make before I forget, which is there's a limit that anybody will be able to stomach to the manufactured stuff. And I got one, well, technically two words for you. Millie Vanilli. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Anybody they went out once everybody figured out that not like everybody lip syncs in concert, right? Like, every, especially if you're an act that dances around Madonna did it, you know, Britney Spears did it all. And Janet Jackson did it. Anybody that danced around Paul Abdul, they had to lip sync at concert because you can't hold a note that well. Out of and, breath. Yeah, you know, you're going to be out of breath. But when people figured out that they weren't just lip syncing, it wasn't even their voices. Like they were, it was a completely different group of people making that sound and they were passing it off because of their you know, producers, the, the team backing them. It's like, you guys got the face. These guys got the voice. You're going to learn to lip sync to them and dance around. We're going to pass them off as your guys singing. Once people found that out, they were utterly betrayed. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm, I get it. Like, I, full disclosure, I was a rabid Millie Vanilli fan. I love Millie Vanilli. I had, what? oh my God, I love Millie Vanilli. I will, it's just confessional time. I Hold on, I feel set. like we need to take a couple minutes here. Don't make me dwell on this, damn it. <laughs> um, girl, you know it's true. Is that the song? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Is that Millie Vanilli? You. Oh, yeah. Okay. Blame it on the rain. Well, they had like the same song, just <laughs> barely mixed over. Okay. I, I guess those are the only songs I know from Millie Vanilli. But um, like the cassette I had, the debut album, I listened to that over and over. I loved it. Oh, God. I, okay. It's embarrassing. I know, but I will <laughs> not with it. It's out, it's out no, there. I certainly do not want to make anybody feel bad for something that they enjoy. I just, that's something I did not know about you. <laughs> I was young. That, I was foolish. As I. I have a really bad memory about a lot of things, but one of the things with like my specialty is I remember what people like, their likes and their dislikes. On at one meeting, I just have to meet you once and ask you a few <laughs> questions. And if I know what your interests are, I lock that in a steel trap. I did not know that about you <laughs> at all. I that, don't that go fact, around talking about it. <laughs> okay, all right. That fact has never come out. <laughs> but that's Pandora's box. You can't put that back in. Now you and the world know that I was huge. I'll, I was not alone. I mean, and then, seriously, once I found out, I stopped. I was I was with everybody. Like, well, fuck you were guys. lied to. You were lied to. But right here, right now, I'm saying what there is a just a hair's breadth of difference between these guys and every person that's legit and loved in the world of music today they didn't sing their own songs they didn't write their own songs that's one step removed from i didn't write my own songs but i sing it they these people these pop sensations that have zero input of what they're putting out there i feel like it's only just an inch above millie vanilli who had zero input and actually didn't even sing it there's a there's a 
there's a good there's a difference. There's a big difference. I, I well, admit that. There's but, a, there's a dirty word that's involved with that, and it's fraud. Yeah, fraudulent. Yeah, they they took a Grammy. They ex- walked up on stage and accepted a Grammy. Multiple yeah. Grammys, right? Didn't they win multiple Grammys? Uh, maybe. I, I, at least the I, one, yeah. Yeah, I feel like they won more than one, but really, for what it's worth, they went up on stage and they passed themselves off as Grammy Award-winning singers. And you're right. It, it's fraudulent and the wool was pulled over our eyes. In the grand scheme of things, is it really that big of a deal? No. But it's a feeling that you can't shake because the uh, competition to hold your attention is mm-hmm. unbelievable. So why would I go listen to these fakes over here when I can go over and listen to, you know, Michael Jackson or somebody else that is cranking out good music that they wrote and is part of their soul. And, you know, I feel like I am connected with that person because they're singing to me. Mm-hmm. And then all well, of a sudden I get these other people that, you know, are faking it. But that's, I mean, look at, I go back to Justin Bieber, his Legion of Rabbit preteen girls who love him because they could sit there and like he's singing this song from his heart this is his feelings you know i can imagine myself being the one that he loves but he he's not he's not even like obviously he's not singing to these girls in particular but he's also not even singing these songs these words that he came up with himself like he didn't say this is going out to my fans i, I came up with this song yesterday because i'm feeling these deep emotions no he's like yeah my manager handed me this sheet full of lyrics and now i'm singing it give me some money that's what and i like i said this is this elitist of me maybe but i can't help but think i don't respect that as art well i'll tell you that i remember seeing i don't know if it was a twitter photo or an instagram photo of justin bieber in a hotel room with a laptop i'm making air quotes right now creating music (laughs) and how do I know he's not? I like I don't know. Well, you could check. You always, you could check this because they're legally required to put the actual person who wrote the music on there, right? So you can go and look at all his you know discography and see he didn't write that. He didn't write that. He didn't write that. He didn't none of this shit. Well, anyway, that that to me is if if he didn't do that, that's dishonesty and that's something. But that's. That, half the pop acts today well and i've always had a vague sense going back to my elitism because we're just gonna own it uh i've always had a vague sense for years and years that i've had i have less respect for the front man of a group that doesn't play an instrument than one that does well really because yeah the voice is an instrument the voice i mean like i'm I'm not gonna throw them in the same because just because they don't play an instrument doesn't mean they're not writing the songs and there's exceptions like axel rose has and this amazing range, like if you look at it in his heyday, he actually had this crazy. They, they they measured it. his range was what I saw this once. His his lows were lower than Barry White, and his highs were higher than like uh, I don't know, Barry, like uh, Barry White getting kicked in the balls. There you go. Yeah, some woman I can't remember who they said, but he's his Diana Ross could be like his his high octaves were incredibly high, and his lows bases were incredibly low. And that was a weird like nobody had a voice like that, so you can respect that. But guys like. Uh, Actually, I looked at this up. Like, what's the front man? And these are or front woman, front women, but it's usually front men. <laughs> Great, like these are like giants of the business. But I always felt like they're like they're not quite as good as the guys that do can sing and play. Like um, Mick Jagger is like the first one that comes to mind for a lot of people. Roger Daltrey, the Who, Robert Plant. I love Led Zeppelin, but Robert Plant never played a fucking instrument. He um, he played an instrument in um, 
uh, back in the nineties, they got Led Zeppelin came back together for like an MTV unplugged thing. And I, I think he played like the spoons or some shit. Yeah. He played, yeah. That's like, what you get. You get like, uh, Steven Tyler playing the, the, uh, harmonica, you know, it's like something kitschy, but nothing really. Right. It's not like, uh, like John Popper playing the harmonica. Sure. Yeah. It's not anything serious. It's like for five seconds at the end of the song. But uh, Bono from U2, and this is almost blasphemy, but right there, Freddie Mercury. Oh, come on. No. Now, he's he's probably the same category as Axl Rose, where his voice was amazing enough that you can give him the props he needs for that. Because that probably took all his effort just to hit all the notes he needed to hit. Don't stop me now, because I'm having a good time. Like, I'll, I'll give a pass to Freddie Mercury and Axl Rose. But your Mick Jaggers, even your Steven Tyler's, although Steven Tyler did have a good range, too. But I'm not saying they're bad, and I'm saying I don't respect them at all, but I have less respect for these guys than I do for, you know, Jim Hetfield or Jimi Hendrix or fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan. Guys like this that wailed on their instruments while they sang. Dave Mustaine, even, as freaky as that guy is. And you know what? In our circle, he gets a lot of shit, and I don't understand why. I still think he's a pretentious, kind of whiny guy, but he was fucking amazing. Kurt Cobain. Fuck Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Kurt that Cobain. Guy, that should, that guy should go shoot himself in the head. Well, there's a story I like about this kind of illustrates some of the points about when uh, Nirvana was making Nevermind. They, you know, Kurt Cobain and company wrote the songs, mostly Kurt Cobain. They had, you know, the idea of what they wanted. Then they went to the studio. And they were told, frankly, you can't market this the way it is. And the studio guys mixed it. They got new guys in there. Like, it wasn't working out, so they got somebody new to do the mixes. And finally came up with the sound. It smells Like Teen Spirit. All these songs from Nevermind that are grunge classics that shot at the top of the charts because the mixers put a nice pop spin shine on the sound of it. I loved Nirvana. I absolutely... I The day I found out that he killed himself, I was like, traitor. <laughs> right yeah oh he had issues i mean he was married to courtney love wouldn't you kill yourself i mean shit i think that i'd probably just you know leave and write a song about it like but why did he have to kill himself i know right well it's heroin fucks you up and all that good stuff you know don't do drugs but i mean it says like i'm reading some of the stuff out the wikipedia it says after the album's release they all you know after the album's release after they're all super successful and the darlings of the music industry and they they forged ahead with a new genre they came back because they had the space to do it and they said eh, we're dissatisfied with the polished sound of Nevermind." it sounded more like what they say motley crew than a punk record which grunge in general was a reaction to the hair metal of the 80s anyway so mm-hmm. so yeah once they had the space to be pretentious they get they were pretentious which look at uh foo fighters dave Grohl made a pop band it's a yeah. pop rock band but it was a pop it was not grunge anymore it was not alternative it was a pop band mm-hmm Maybe hard rock if you want to edge it up into that category. But these Certainly people know where their bread is buttered. You can be original. You can be organic. And you're going to find these diehard. And you're going to stay in indie, underground, you know, hipster type of act where the true purists are going to love you. And the world at large isn't going to give two shits about you. So you got that choice. Do we, quote unquote, sell out and actually become successful? Or do we stay true to our originality and be unlistenable to to the majority of people? <laughs> Yeah. It's a conundrum. It really is. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if anybody has walked that line, Weezer, Weezer gets away with it. They've got all yeah. kinds of mainstream shit, but they're still like state of their roots. Well, their early stuff was really good. Buddy Holly and um, Say It Ain't So. I love Say It Ain't So. That mm-hmm. was like solid alternative, like early 90s alternative stuff. 
But as time goes goes on, they got a little more poppy. Right, and- but they're still not like for what, however many you know top ten hits they've ever done. They're still like this underground weird band. They're weird. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they're not. You're not. They're not making headlines, but they they hit mainstream. They really did. Well, look at Metallica. They were the kings of heavy metal in the '80s, and then they came out with the Black Album, and everybody said they sold out. Black Album's good. I love the Black Album. Yeah, I, I actually like the next two albums. They didn't lose me until St. Anger. I liked, well, Reload. I liked Reload. Pretty, I mean, I didn't hate it, but it was, it was Miltos. I could pick maybe two songs out of that that I actually liked. Load, I love that album. Yeah, And that's good. huge. I mean, if people didn't say they sold out for Black Album, they definitely said they sold out for Load. Mm-hmm. But I liked Load. I really did. But it was definitely a departure from, you listen to Load, and you listen to, you know, Kill Em All, you could, you could barely say they're the same band. Right. Seriously, so yeah, but they the look how many years were between those two albums? Almost twenty years. Right. So twenty? I don't know. It was load it was, was mid nineties. Like yeah. I think I think uh, Kill 'Em All was eighty one, and Stand load. Early. Wow, I gotta look now. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Internet to the rescue. But uh, it's it. I feel like if you're going to stay, like you're gonna hit that point, like you you were talking about before, you can hit the point where you're like David Bowie. I want to get some money. I want to get paid. I'm tired of being a niche type of, you know, unique sound that has a diehard, diehard core of followers, but the world at large doesn't care about me. I can keep my integrity to these people, or I can become beloved by most people. I feel like on a long enough timeline, almost everybody's going to choose the latter because being beloved by a handful of people doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> Kill em All was 83, a load was 96. Okay, so 13 years, yeah. 13, but still, Spain. Yeah, it's... I, 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 I sit there like some of the most entertaining music I've ever heard is that nice, polished, manufactured pop sound stuff. But I can't help but have less respect for that than the really like I will always remember uh, this book I read called uh, Louder Than Hell. It was the oral history of heavy metal. And this, the guy that wrote it goes through and interviews all the people involved with the evolution of heavy metal from the early days of like well, he starts from before Black Sabbath. But really, you know kind of takes off around Black Sabbath, goes into speed metal, death metal, black metal, new metal, whatever version of metal you want to talk about, and, you know, hair metal. And it always, in the early days, was the same thing. You had a group of kids, usually still in high school. A lot of times, half of them didn't even know how to play an instrument, but they just wanted to make a band. Like, they had nothing else going in their lives. They weren't, you know, they weren't 4.0 GPA kids. They were, you know, borderline dropouts, trying to get together, doing something with their lives imitating for the most part people they already liked swapping members in between them and then finally settling on a sound and then making it big these garage bands that the one in a thousand of them that made it big that we heard about i mean just metallica you just described sure the yeah that's all these people this this is the organic the originality of it is these people that found each other started writing their own songs making their own music sampling what they already knew but changing it and evolving it as opposed to Here's a here's a casting call essentially. You know, here's a call out to we looking for this 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 and this to fill a boy band. You know, we need a we need a pretty girl to sing this nice new pop song that we got on our desk. All right, let's do some auditions. Okay, you look good in pigtails and stockings. Welcome aboard, Britney Spears. You know, shit like that. That's manufactured. It can be entertaining. You can love that music, but I cannot put them in the same level. And I cannot have their same respect for both of those. It's not in me. I've seen Britney Spears in concert. Damn you. Now I can't respect you. <laughs> okay, Millie Vanilli. I'm turning... <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I will never be able to have credibility again. Damn. I have seen... I, maybe this is a good time to introduce my concert part of the podcast. Ah. 
I have seen probably somewhere around 50, 50 acts in different different things. Let me see. B-52. separate acts or 50 in like... I've, I've probably been to 50 concerts, all of different bands. Or, you know, some of them repeats. Like I've seen Tool oh, right. four times. I've seen A Perfect Circle four times. I've seen Goo Goo Dolls four times. I've seen... Uh, but my first concert was B-52s. I have no idea what their origin is, but man, they are strange. I can't imagine somebody sitting around in a corporate office going, hey, you know what? We want to put out a sound that sounds pretty goofy, campy, a uh, little poppy, 80s, retro. Uh, put some blue hair on and uh, fishnets and dance around the stage and act like goofballs. I guarantee <laughs> that that to me is like that was an original sound, B-52s. I could be wrong, but... Um, it seems like it, that makes sense. Yeah. Like it was pretty kitschy. I, I saw a few bands back in the heyday like uh, Poison... Um, damn Yankees. There you go. There's a, can you take me high enough? Yes, I can go Ted because yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that was just a bunch of really successful people from other bands coming together, like the traveling Wilburys and stuff like that. Or Uh, the temple of the dog temple of the dog. Yep. And also, uh, there was another one that they came out with, with, uh, Mike McCready from Pearl jam and, uh, Lane Staley and wasn't Temple of the Dog. What was it? It was. Uh, There's one I kind of discovered called Them Cricket Vultures, which is. Um, oh, yeah. I forget his name. The lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age and Dave Grohl got together. Yep. Thing. Uh, uh, I listened to some chick- of the shit. It's pretty good. Chicken Foot with Sammy Hagar. and <laughs> Never heard of that. Yeah. This is going to bother me bad. Really, really bad. Well, okay. So you mentioned your concert going experience. I think it's time for my second confessional. The fact that I've actually never gone to a live concert. Yeah, I find that really strange. Well, look at my life. Like, you know how I grew up. I could yeah. fill in the blanks for you here. I know, but like, what, what about, like, weren't there, like, at least Christian rock bands? or? Oh, shit, that doesn't count. I don't count that as a live concert. Of course you That does not count. Okay, if you count that, then yeah, okay, I went to a couple of things like that. The Heritage Singers. Mm. There you go. That doesn't no. count. I'm talking about buy a ticket, go to a rock show, get in a mosh pit. I never did. I my brother did. My brother did a bunch. So I don't know what that says about me. But I I never see when I was young. When I was a teenager, I went to tiny ass little schools. Then I went to boarding school. No concert going opportunities. Went to college. Made friends with people that also didn't go to concerts. And there was no real concerts close by for the most part that we could even hit. So by the time I got to the point where I could be like, yeah, I can go to a concert. Nothing can stop me. It just wasn't in me anymore. I just didn't think about it. I didn't look for new concerts coming to town. My brother, did. he got luckily enough to find friends that were into going to concerts. So he started going to like, you know, the mosh pits and all that crap. Mm-hmm. I never did. And I, it's like, to me, I'm not sitting there going, oh my God, what the hell's wrong with me? It's, I can look back at my own life and see the steps that led me to the point where I've never went to a concert and be like, yeah, it makes sense. But to somebody listening, I guarantee people listening right now are going, how the fuck? Do you get into your thirties and never go to a concert? It's like I, I don't. It, it's just like one little step after another that just didn't happen. And so now so, you're so defiant, you just don't want to go see one. No, I'd see one. I would see one anytime. I just, like I said, I just don't know anybody that's like, hey, we should go to a concert. It doesn't happen. And hey, I don't. We, I'm not gonna. And I'm not gonna go, go to a concert, concert by myself. So what? We, we should go to a concert. Yeah, I'll go to a concert with you. Why not? You have to tell hey. me the etiquette. <laughs> so do well, I flash my boobs like yes halfway through or like right nope. after that? Nope. Before the band comes on stage. You gotta like get up on my shoulders, flip your shirt up, <laughs> and turn around. We'll turn around towards the the rest of the crowd, and then the crowd will go wild. 
They'll yes, go right. Absolutely bonkers. I got some nice moves. I have been to some. Well, I, I can't say that. I can't say every single concert I've gone to, I've seen chicks flashing their titties. But well, when I went to those Christian concerts, it was still there. No, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> no. Uh, but like, I have seen, I have seen live bands in bars. So if that counts, fine. Sure. Like I would go to bars and see. There was one that was is kind of ironic. There was a bar in D.C. There was a part of D.C. called Adams Morgan, kind of like a district area. I don't know what you call it. And there's a bar there called Madam's Oregon. And the band, when I went there, was uh, the live band was playing Lola, you know, from the Kings. Huh? Lola? Isn't that Eric Clapton? No, the Kings. The Kings. You're thinking Layla. Layla. Okay. All right. You know, Lola. L-O-L-A, Lola. Yeah. La 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 Lola. I the funny story, me and a friend of mine were in a seventh grade well we were in a middle school talent show and I dressed up like Obi Wan Kenobi and he dressed up like Yoda and we sang Weird Al Yankovic's uh Yoda instead Which is of Lola. The, the version I know way more, way better anyways. <laughs> but, I know Darth Vader's really got you annoyed, but remember if you kill him then we'll be unemployed. Oh my god. Oh my he we got second place. We came in second to a bunch of girls doing uh, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, <laughs> Respect by Aretha Franklin. And they did, like, this total choreographed. It was awesome. Ah, I almost died. That's okay. <laughs> I I was going to just keep going. Yeah. No, that's good. If, if you went down, then uh, I would have called 914. Uh, well, no. you got to finish the podcast. Yeah. So uh, my buddy, Joe... He put on green makeup with the ears and all that. And he stood inside. A, it was like, I don't even know how much time we spent on this costume. I wore a brown robe. And in shop class, we made lightsabers with the plexiglass on flashlights. <laughs> and I had a blue. No, it was just me. I just had the blue lightsaber. He didn't have a lightsaber. He had a cane. But it was so elaborate. Back then, Yoda didn't have a lightsaber. Right. It was so elaborate. And he stood inside this box. So, and then he put the feet on. So it looked like he was standing. Yoda was standing on a box next to me. And we, uh, we sang Yoda. Nice. And it, was, but, it was awesome. But you learned a life lesson. You're always going to lose the girls shaking their asses. Yes. We, we did <laughs> lose always come the girls shaking their ass. Uh, anyway. Wow. We, that was, little, we went way, way, way. Uh, hmm. Well, oh. <laughs> Well, one part of this is also <clears throat> I have more respect, you know, since we're going down the list. So what do you think about somebody that plays their own, a band that completely plays their own instruments and a band that only does machines, like sound machines, beat machines, whatever? Oh, uh, well, uh, like dubstep and, you know, EDM. Well, I'm going to, I I feel like this is a minefield, but I'm going to tiptoe into it. Rap, hip hop, even. I have a million times a ton of respect for old school hip hop. I can't stand right. the new hip hop because all it is is like anti-police, anti-everything. Uh, you know, hookers and hoes. Well, yeah, and... yeah. We talked about. It. I got the money. I got the bitches. I'm a pimp. I'm a gangster. But but old school like Run DMC. Um, I was a huge fan, so much of a huge fan. I'll tell you, uh, Public Enemy, their DJ was Terminator X. And I, even in the day, without having the internet, I sought out Terminator X and found his album, Terminator X and the Valley of the Jeep Beats. <laughs> and I, I absolutely adored that album. I, I, you know, the funky beats and, you know. I had a friend that couldn't get enough Easy e. Well, <laughs> you know what else couldn't get enough Easy e <laughs> 
bullets. <laughs> AIDS. Yeah. Th- wait. I thought he had. Did he die of AIDS? Easy E did. Yeah. Oh shit! I thought I got shot. I probably think like Biggie Smalls or something. Biggie. Like that. Uh, yeah, Tupac got shot. But, but I, I like. I'm it, a huge it, fan of like old school LL Cool J, Run DMC, even old Will Smith. I Will Smith was awesome back in the day. He, he was novelty rap, but he was he was fun. Yeah. Um, Parents well, like, just don't even guys like uh, fucking Tone Loke or Young MC or some shit like that. Yeah. I always liked. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to say that that really had uh, they surged in the mid to late '80s. That it was everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. It Fat permeated. Boys. Yeah, the Fat Boys, <laughs> in the Beach Boys, doing the Wipeout. Oh my God, I had that album. <laughs> that was so good. Did you ever see their movie Disorderly? Disorderlies? Yes. I love that movie. I thought that was movie. the funniest goddamn movie when I was. I probably if I watched it now, I'd be like, "What the fuck?" But when I was a kid, I thought that was the greatest movie. Yeah, um, they did uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street official rap. <laughs> I I don't know as I heard that. Yeah, Fat Boys Nightmare on Elm Street. You got to YouTube that stuff. I will it's terrible, that. but it's awesome. Absolutely. I'm sure I've heard it, but um, but in doing some research for this, and I don't know why this didn't occur to me, but modern rap, I guess, is largely the version of pop, like anything else. A lot of these guys don't write their own lyrics, so I'm sitting there like, okay, you don't write your own lyrics. You definitely aren't making because rap in general is always I'm going to choose the beat. I'm not going to make the beat. They're not sitting down with a drum set or even like just mixing it on a you know with a sound machine. They're saying. All right, what do you got? And they're listening to different stuff at best. And then they're going, okay, I like this, this, and this. We're going to put it together. We're going to produce their own songs, but they won't write their own. But if you're not writing your own lyrics as a rap artist, what are you doing? Because rappers aren't even singing. You know, they're not making, they're not hitting notes. They're just talking. But it is a talent. Rapping is like. Not, it is, but it's not. I still, if you can hit every note and every octave, I'm going to say you're more talented than the guy that can talk fast and rhyme. Now, if you're coming up with your own rhymes, like, uh, what was that guy, Busta Rhymes? That guy was fucking crazy. Yeah. But uh, that's a talent. But most of them, just a little bit of practice and anybody can do what they do, especially if they're not writing their own lyrics. Yeah, I I can, I would agree with that. I, But I do think that rapping, especially freestyle rapping, is something totally and completely right, different. Exactly. But, but rapping, I can't. I No, no, to, I'm if saying, you I'm, If you said, I know, I know. With a little bit of practice, I could, I could at exactly. least, I could at least. You rhyme. and me both could rap. If we somebody provided us a set of lyrics, give us a day of practicing, we would have that shit down pat. I guarantee okay. it. Everybody in the world wants to see us practice rapping. <laughs> that is, <laughs> we should uh, totally come back next week and just bust out. No, I, I hate the new rap that is all anti everything, but old school rap, I absolutely adore. And I think I love a lot of Snoop Dogg stuff. Snoop Doggy Dogg. Yeah, that that, that was like the beginning of the end for me. Um, that was like hip hop, though. That's when hip hop started becoming a real rap turned into hip hop. I think. Yeah, and um, well, Dr. Dre, uh, right. Snoop Dogg. Um, there was a huge fusion at the time. If you remember the movie Judgment Night, they yeah with um, Emilio Estevez and. Yeah, and a lot of grunge slash rock bands like merged with uh, hip hop bands. And that's what. Yeah, have you heard that soundtrack? I don't think so. I, in fact, I haven't seen that movie in a long, long time. I think uh, that's some really good homework is to go find the Judgment Night soundtrack. That was huge back in '93. I want to say '93. See, the soundtrack I was into back then was the Crow soundtrack. Yep, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Tool. Here. The Cure, oh well, Cure, 
uh, cure the cure. <laughs> did I do a faux pas? I'm sorry. No, I don't. I I can't remember what it is. I love the cure. I'm pretty sure it's the cure. I had a friend, I, a guy I went through basic training STP? with it, Stone Temple Violets. Yeah, they were on there too. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just I didn't. I didn't really listen to a lot of Cure when I was growing up, and it wasn't as somebody you know pretty much introduced me to the Cure, and I was I love them now. Yeah, the neither did I. But then recently, in the last few years, I discovered Disintegration. That's a great album. It is. Yeah, I hadn't. I didn't hear that until the mid '90s, but I love it. But yeah, so this all comes back to the same thing I have. It's just like you, if you want to be respected. You got to create your own shit. If you want to be rich, you can just have an image. And now rap, which is supposed to be edgy and in your face and speaking the truth, has fallen victim. It's just pop. It's a it's another flavor of pop, but it is just pop. It's if if manufactured. It's, we're gonna put the package out there. What flavor is Nicki Minaj? Uh, sweat and oh oh, yeah. you mean metaphorically? Um, <laughs> sweat yeah, silicone. Mm-hmm. Sure is. I don't, I don't know. I honestly, I've never heard. I swear. And I'm not kidding. I've never heard a note of what Nicki Minaj sings. Ever. Are you kidding? Like, I can still say I've, I have this weird point of pride that I've never heard a Taylor Swift or Bieber song all the way through ever, but I've heard snippets enough of it. I've never, ever heard even a little bit of a Nicki. I could never point to a Nicki Minaj song to save my life. Yeah. I'd, uh, I like me some Nicki Minaj and I like some Taylor Swift, not all of it. I really like her new stuff. I'm on with you. I've never listened to a Justin Bieber song. Oh well, no, I take that back. Uh, he broke up with some chick that was a uh, like Selena Gomez or something like that. They they had like a almost felt manufactured breakup to become popular. I guess I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And then he put out a song, something about like my mom never trusted you or some shit. I did listen to that whole song because it was like it was almost like a diss. Like he was like, hmm. "Fuck you, bitch. My mom never liked you." <laughs> She told me not to trust you, but yeah, I haven't. My mom to told me I'm cool. So yeah, that's. Well, you had mentioned earlier that it's not exclusive to music. I, I'm trying to think of like ensembles that were put together for TV or te- or movies that don't seem, forgive me for saying organic, hmm. but it seems to me that like it feels like it was organic to some degree, but the Brat Pack in the 80s really felt like we have a bunch of teens that are that are hitting their peak at the same time. Let's put them in a whole bunch of movies together, and we're well, going to make handfuls of cash. I feel like, I mean, I couldn't tell you for sure. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but I feel like that would be a phenomenon where it started, you know, not necessarily by accident, but it was, you know, we need this. We got the teen comedy. We need this group. We're going to hire these actors. And then they discovered, shit, people like that. People like these people working together. So let's put... Molly Ringwald and Rob Lowe and Emilio Estevez in a few movies together, you know, Anthony Michael Hall. We're going to start t- sticking these guys in a lot of movies together because people seem to like these people playing off each other. So it started off organically, but became manufactured as time went on. Yeah. That's the reason why there's a name for it, you know, the Brat Pack, which was named after the Rat Pack, which is the same thing, a group of entertainers, performers that just Clicked. did a lot of shit together, you know? Yeah. Or then you move into the Frat Pack, you know, you're Will Ferrell and buddies that in the early odds did all those movies together because people liked them together so they want to see more of them together so it starts off original starts off innocent (laughs) i guess you could say and then becomes a manufactured corporate money grab type of thing because the movies by the time they get done are never as good as the ones that they start with right well i mean you look at will ferrell's movies now with the the house money or something like that he was just in a he was just in a movie 
recently where he, he and his wife, um, Amy Poehler, they, Oh yeah. Yeah. They make their house into a casino or something like that. And I get it totally and completely trashed in the theater. It was, didn't make the money that they were expecting, but, um, you take a movie that started them out, uh, with Talladega nights might be one there. There are some, you know, those type of movies that made a lot of money. You know, that's what people wanted to see, but they, they do Peter out. Old school, probably old school. That might be where it started. But I mean, yeah. So with TV shows, what I see a lot of is if you get a popular TV show that was unexpectedly popular, you get the clones. So I've always thought this, that one example I was going to is Lost. Like they did, like you could, you watch Lost and you know, they didn't expect that to be a hit. Right. They didn't know where they were going. The first season, they threw weirdness out there for, like you find this out way later. But they threw weird things out there without really knowing what they were going to do with it. They just, okay, like, the, the story I'll never forget is the character of Jack, who ended up being the main character of the series, was supposed to die in the first episode. <laughs> so, I mean, Breaking Bad is the same way. Jesse was supposed to die in the first episode, or the really? first season. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, like, but I want to say even halfway through the season. Like, he was not never supposed to stick around. How could but, they kill uh, Jesse? With, because... They don't know where they're going for the most part when they start these series. They have an idea, then they figure we're just going to unfold it as time goes on. I can, geez, I keep I keep patting myself on the back, but I don't want to sound pretentious, but I'll say I can kind of attest to that because when I was writing, I had vague ideas of where I wanted things to go, and then shit started filling itself. It felt like the blanks filled themselves in as time went on. Mm-hmm. One thought, one character whose personality you established necessarily leads to another, and you're like, okay, so what would it, well, this would, this is what he'd probably do in this situation. This is what they would probably say, which leads to this situation happening. So this is what they would re- uh, react to it, how they would, you know, adapt to this, blah, 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 you know. But you can start with an idea of a grain of a thing and let it unfold naturally, even if you don't know where it's going. You might have a big idea of how you want it to end, but in between, you know, you really don't know where it's going. So it makes sense to me. Like, okay, I, I got this idea of people stranded on an island, plane crash. And there's this doctor who kind of saves some people that it's going to be a big fake out because you think he's the main guy and then he dies. And then somebody that has to step up and be the real leader. But mm-hmm. then they start shooting and they start writing and they're like, no, nah, it doesn't work. We we need somebody that the audience can identify with from the get-go. Having said that, if they had killed out the character of Jack and made, you know, Sawyer the main hero because he had he was started off as a bad boy criminal and had to step up and take a leadership role, that might have been more engaging, honestly. A lot of complaint about it was Jack was always the milk toast bland guy the entire time. Hmm. Yeah, was boring white dude. Yeah, fucking whiteies. But uh, I digress. But the point I made was after Lost was over, you had the Lost clones that same year. Like it was no like they knew when Lost was going to end, and they started playing the Lost clones before it was even shot for the last episode. Like I always remember the TV show Flash Forward. Oh yes, remember that one. I- I was in. I bought in on that. Oh yeah, that's that first season. I was like, okay, I, I gotta find out what happens. That's like, this is it. This is the successor to Lost. I'm gonna keep getting my Lost. It had a couple of the same actors from Lost in it. Yeah. If the, the the term flash forward was coined in Lost, they started doing oh. flash instead of flashbacks. They did flash forwards one season. Ooh. You know, I was like, okay, this is definitely it. One season done. Never came yeah. back. That Never was a bad show. That was a terrible show. And then you look at stuff like, and it was not. I guess chronologically right there, but Fringe, which I liked, was an X-Files clone. Yeah. Straight up every day. Yeah, I never got into Fringe, and I, I think I wanted to. Yeah, and then they can be good in and of themselves, but you will never forget that this is cookie cutter from the same mold as the original show that 
came before it. So does that detract from it? Can you ever have it reach the same heights? Like a spinoff. Frasier was super successful, but you'll never forget that it came from Cheers. And in the annals of history, people can remember Cheers as much more of a land-breaking, uh, block-busting type of avant-garde, trailblazing show. Mm-hmm. I don't know what land breaking means. I'm not sure what I meant to say there. Anyway, Ground, groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. There you go. <laughs> Land, landmark. Landmark groundbreaking. Yes. Mark landing show. So, but uh, breaking. Like you'll never think of the spinoff in the same way as you do the original. You know, I, I don't know. It's you have a place in your heart. We appreciate originality more than we appreciate functionality. Even if a show is good, we're going to, if it's still cookie cutter, carbon copy. We're not going to appreciate as much as the one that came before it that was the actual original idea. Mm-hmm. Even if the the new one is better than the original, we're still going to have a better place for the original. You know, there's going back to music, there's bands or stuff that take something that somebody else started and perfect it. But you're always going to remember the people that started it first. Right. I, um, I, I, no, I, I think you're on to something. And I really agree. I agree that original sounds are better than manufactured uh like cookie cutter mm-hmm. unoriginal sounds I, I mean all day long i uh typo negative tool nine inch nails mm-hmm. say what you will about the genre that music is hand over fist better than any of the pop that is coming out right now yeah that, that is unoriginal and you take somebody even if you wanted to take that genre kesha just released an album and maybe it's not all her. I'm going to say probably like a lot of the melodies and a lot of the music is probably not her, but you listen to the lyrics. She was sexually assaulted by her producer. The judge upheld the fact that she, that her contract that she had to work with her producer that sexually (laughs) assaulted her, her songs. You listen to the songs on that album. It's essentially a fuck you. You're a fucking asshole. Die. You piece of shit. And it's like, those are her words. She's talking to a producer. Respect. <laughs> she did what she had to do. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, you can hear it with country, country music. I love country. There's plenty of country songs I like, but you can tell, you can tell the ones that are written by other bands. Uh, Eric Church, just, mm-hmm. he's got plenty of music that you know he wrote that music. And, yeah, there's probably a few on that album that somebody came to him and said, listen, I wrote this song and it sounds really good and it's going to sell a lot of albums. Put it on your record. There's probably a couple of those on there, but the majority of the stuff that's on that album, I guarantee he wrote that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. shooting from the hip here. I don't know. I don't have any facts or figures in front of me. I just, it sounds to me like some, you know, you can tell. Yeah, I just feel like you can tell when somebody's writing their own stuff. It might be good, but not like the best thing you've ever heard, hmm. but you know it's original because they're singing about something that they know. But there's also a problem with originals at the end all be all because you can be too original. Like if you're like, seriously, if you buck all influences and you say, I'm going to make a sound or a movie or a TV show, write a book, whatever you're going to create, you know, draw, draw a picture or make a painting, but I'm going to try to be pure. I'm going to try to get rid of every, I'm not going to, purge myself of influence and try to find that grain of pure creativity, you are probably going to make something that is unwatchable, unlistenable to, unappreciated because nobody can reference it. Nobody can uh, compare it to anything that they already like. And you like, I mean, seriously, what, not that we can do it, but because we're not musicians, but what sound would you 
what kind of music would you make tomorrow that would be so completely original that would not be influenced by anything else? Like you would necessarily have to use instruments that are already invented, you know, sequences that are already have been done, you know, with uh, chords and no progressions that have already been done a million times. You would, you could play around with it and you could try to find something, you know, quote unquote original, but nothing completely pure and undone forever. That those days have passed. Like you're never going to be uninfluenced by something that's not come that's come before. Like I don't think that's possible anymore. Hmm. That goes for TV shows. Like I looked up uh, bad indie films because all these like hipster types out there are like, oh no no, it's all about cans and Sundance and South by Southwest. These film festivals. That's where you're going to find the real creativity. But I guarantee you, like there's an article I read. This guy's like people trying to try to forget, make themselves forget that the overwhelming vast bulk of indie films are junk. They're unwatchable. They're pretentious. They're inscrutable. You have no idea what the person making them is trying to say. For one, for every gem in the rough, you get you know gay cowboys eating ice cream. <laughs> I I agree with you. I am not a humongous fan of indie. Like I know that there's a place for it, and it it's like the breeding ground for the J.J. Abrams mm-hmm. of the future. Um, but it is like few and far between. Even some of the indie indie stuff that c- comes out that is groundbreaking and good. Um, I didn't like like uh, the one I can think of off the top of my head is Slumdog Millionaire. I think that yeah, was I never an indie saw that. film that, that was like yeah, that really, was right. I, st- I didn't like that. I don't. I'm sure I know what message they were trying to you know put out there, but it didn't I mean, there's, catch me. But there's indie classics. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was an indie film. Yep. Yeah. Or something I, like Clerks is considered kind of a classic of indie films, or because Kevin Smith made that completely on his own. You know, no studio help except for distribu- distribution whatsoever. You know, he made his own budget. Mm-hmm. But th- there's definitely indie class, like uh, Night of the Living Dead is a classic indie film. Shit like that, that's going to be around forever. Totally indie. No studio had a hand in that whatsoever. There was one person's creative genius coming out with it. But there's some indie films that were hailed as brilliant that when you go back and look at it, time goes on and it, it, they age poorly. Like um, one I saw was, they're talking about this, was Juno. It's like this shit aged really badly. It was it was it took the world by storm when it came out and nobody could quite figure out why anymore. And uh the Napoleon Dynamite was on this Napoleon, list I yeah. saw. I, I love Napoleon Dynamite. And I still do like it and it was funny. So but it oh. was kind of of its time. Is this the same list that you talked about Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou? Yeah, and actually this is the same list that had Fight Club on it. Yeah. I love Life Aquatic. I love that movie. Did, Everybody should say? stop the podcast and go watch it. The guy said uh, it's the most Wes Anderson of Wes Anderson movies. Like he, yeah. he he just kind of caught up his own hype by that movie. And it was a train wreck. I actually never saw that movie. In fact, I think the only Wes Anderson movie I ever saw was uh, Royal Tenenbaums. He definitely has a, a style. There's a there's a whole technique of filming. I'm not a film student. I'm not an expert. But there's a whole style or uh, a technique of filming where you frame things in in the screen in special ways. Like you can't have two people have a conversation back and forth. And so here I am on the right side of the screen and I'm talking to somebody. And when you show that other person, they're on the left side of the screen. It's mm-hmm. not natural. Wes Anderson has a way of filming where there are things that are like horizontal and symmetrical on the screen that is... It's a it's very appealing, hmm. like designed to be like busy but not off putting. And uh I think that he does a pretty good job. I, I 
probably spending too much time talking about Wes Anderson, but there's, I guess the thing about Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou is Bill Murray makes that movie. He's in all of Wes Anderson's movies, you know, like he's in most of them, but um, he's really, really funny. And the way all the characters interact are really, uh, Jeff Goldblum is hilarious in that movie and it's not your typical type of humor. That's probably what like puts a lot of people off is it's not in your face, stupid, funny. It is like incredibly thoughtful, funny. Like situational funny, like uh, almost like Arrested yeah. Development, where you're gonna have to think about this joke I'm telling right now. Well, I mean, like I said, the only one I saw was Royal Tenenbaums, but I did like it. But it was more, it was so character driven, not punchline driven. Yeah, like you know, like um, Gene Hackman's character was it's like you had to hate this guy, but what he did was so ridiculous it had to be funny, you know? Right. But yeah, yeah and they were all like it. It was all Arrested Development. Every character was like this. <laughs> super unique personality like they were all very distinguished dis- distinctive mm-hmm. just like the rest of god i gotta watch that i gotta rewatch all of rest of development again i'm jonesing for it <laughs> i actually i have it playing upstairs <laughs> there you go. i've been watching clips of it on youtube a lot the la- this last week uh i so i put on the first episode just before i came downstairs to the bunker to do the podcast ah. um I was I got the house lit up and turned on and I was kind of walking around and I put on I was like, oh, what do I want to have on? So I'm probably going to fall asleep, go upstairs and fall asleep to something. I want to have it like a couple episodes deep. And so I put on Arrested Development and I found myself not being able to pull myself away from the TV. <laughs> and it was, you know, you know how it opens, how they're introducing everybody. And yeah, uh, the the very like the very first thing you see on screen in Arrested Development is a joke that plays out at the end of the episode where Tobias is wearing the pirate shirt. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it all starts with, you know, the queen Mary or whatever mm-hmm. the boat is. They're all having the party, the retirement party, whatever it is for George senior. <laughs> and then the boat, the, the homosexuals that are protesting mm-hmm. and Tobias accidentally gets on the boat and he's wearing the pirate <laughs> shirt. <laughs> <Like what? laughs> she says, the uh, mother says, uh, Look what the homosexuals did to me, and then yeah. Michael. Michael says, "You sure you can't just comb it out?" And he's he's talking about her hair. <laughs> like it starts out so complicated, funny. Oh, yeah, if you I haven't know. watched Arrested Development, stop what you're doing and go watch Arrested Development. It is absolutely. We throw that a lot around a lot. Stop what you do. We have from episode one been praising Arrested Development to the high heavens, and there's a reason for it. It's like one of the greatest shows ever created. Absolutely. Absolutely, one of the greatest shows ever. Like I think as time goes on, I I just appreciate it more and more the subtlety of it, the the long, like the long running gags, like the payoffs. Not even just episodes later, but a whole season later, maybe two seasons later, there's a payoff of what they've been building up. Like it's so subtly and masterfully done that. Oh, just watch Arrested Development. Do yourself that favor. Yeah, so good. Loose seals and. The subtle signs about like Wait. hand chairs and shit like that. Every oh my god, Lucille and Lucille's exactly. Oh. And it was just so oh the, the episode where he and then uh seal bit his hand off the end and then yeah. <laughs> that's the end of the episode. You're like, Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> what are those? These are my awards, mother. I won them at army. <laughs> this one's for bravery. He's <laughs> got that fucking uniform with shoulder pads and all kinds of shit on. <laughs> This one's for marksmanship. Uh, the the best part is when Michael tells Tobias he has to record himself for a day. He just listens to all the things. Yeah. I would kiss that man between the cheeks. 
taken out of context. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I just blew myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the corn baller. Did you find something to fill my seat hole, Michael? You can just say seat. It's okay. <laughs> oh. oh god we, we could just do we could do this all night oh my I god know. i know it's i love arrested development um well let's let's finish up with uh manufactured success yes yeah, so you're never gonna escape manufactured because that's where the money's at my personal thought is i will never respect i can enjoy it but i can never respect it as much as actual originality you doing the work you making the product and you performing it with your own instrument or you being the trailblazer as far as like TV shows, movies go, that everybody else copies, even if they copy as well or better, you're the first, you get to claim that prize. That's what I think. Call me a snob, but not to my face because I'll kick you in the junk. <laughs> I concur. I, I think super you, violent. you hit the nail on the head. Things sound different when they're original versus when they're not. And you can tell when somebody is using somebody else's material for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not that I disagree. I enjoy all kinds of things, regardless yeah. of who, you know, like maybe I, it's not a disagreement. Maybe it's just I'm a little bit easier on the listening to things that are not original. I'll listen to anything. I don't care. I don't care what the genre is. I don't care who wrote it, who sang it. I don't care if it's a cover. I don't care. I like I enjoy. Yeah. A no, lot don't of get things. me wrong. I'm not I'm not going to not listen to these things because they're not original. It's just the amount of respect. I, like I can. I could sit there and I can love, you know, Millie Vanilli and have no respect for them. I could still hear Blame It on the Rain and be like, well, fuck, I'll listen to it again. I, you know, just for old time's sake. But I have zero respect for it. Well, you know, one of them's dead. But, but uh, drugs are bad. Yeah, he, no, he killed himself. He couldn't take it anymore. What? Yeah, one of them told up strip, killed himself. Because of the, the, because the world hated him. And the humiliation. Yeah. That's right. That's too bad. But uh, I mean, yeah. So, you know, I love covers, you know. I'll listen to covers. I like if a song I like is older. I'll look on YouTube for covers of it to see if somebody did a good cover. Mm-hmm. Some every once in a while I've heard a cover of a song that I like better than the original. But you can't you can't give the credit to the person making the cover the same way you give the credit to the original. Agreed. You just just can't. Agreed. And I think these days there's too much unoriginality. We like we touched on with one of the other episodes is it's all, it's all the same now. Like you go back 20 years and nobody's gonna be surprised by what they hear because it's all it's been the same for a long time. Because probably with the the corporate manufacturers have been on the rise for too long, and there's not a lot of room for new originality, new you know unheard of acts that came in that's coming in with a new sound. It's just the, the market's not able to absorb them and use them. I don't know. That's my opinion. It's not wrong. That's right. It's always wrong. <laughs> okay. So so you got your challenge. I. Have another challenge. Which I dropped the ball. I forgot to find my own challenge. I apologize. That's okay. I have one for you. Okay. So how many details is it going to take for you to get this movie? You also got to like a big... I got I to gotta bolster my confidence and make a bet ahead of time, huh? So hearing nothing, I'm going to say three details. I got it. You got it in three details? I, I'm going to make that uh, bet with myself. I'll get okay. it in three details. You know that the first detail is going to be a year. Sure. But it helps. Okay. The year is 1986. I'll I'll even go this far. I will I will help you out. The top grossing film of 1986. Okay, there you go. All right, you got that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, that's one. The lead of this film was turned down by Matthew Modine. Oh God! Now this does sound familiar. <laughs> okay, okay, here's your here's your third, and not your final, but here's your third <laughs> clue. Better be my final. You think so? 
You don't no, think that? No, oh, no, you're going to get it. You're getting it. You're going to get it. I'll be disappointed for myself if it's not my final. There was a song featured in the movie. Yeah. Written for the movie. The song was not written and performed by two bands. They were considered, but did not ultimately do it. Somebody else did it. The two bands that did not get the song were Toto <laughs> or Ario Speedwagon. Oh, you're killing me. Because now I, I can't help but think of Matthew Modine movies. And I. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let me, I'll put it here. Let me, let me give you those clues again, and I'm going to give them to you with emphasis. You ready? Okay. Okay. The top grossing movie of 1986. There was a song written specifically for this movie. Toto and Ario Spa- Speedwagon. Spadwagon. <laughs> Ario Spankwagon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Toto and Ario Speedwagon were not the... Uh, writers and performers of the song some would say it's a defining song for this movie my god i'm gonna have to disappoint myself i got see i'm not came out in these six or they had definitive songs wait 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 top like secret of my success no it's not the top 1986 what what type of movie would make the most money it depends i mean seriously from one year to the next you can have an action movie okay or comedy this movie all right give me the fourth one the, the fourth, I'll give you the fourth clue. Uh, okay. Only one actor filming, how do I want to put it? Of the actors, and I'm saying they were all male actors mm-hmm. that participated in this part of the movie, only one actor did not vomit. Stand by me? No. Because you would have got Ario Speedwagon to speak that song. There was, there was a something in this movie that everybody... All, not all the men, but most of the men. But all the men that did this in the movie, only one of them did not throw up throughout the entire filming. <laughs> Top Gun. Yes, Top Gun. Oh, God. There we go. Four? Did it take you four? That that was four, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Which I think that was what it was last time. Or was it three last time? No, I think you had it three. I think it was I, three last I think time. you had it three last time. Yeah. Top Gun. Yeah, Top Gun, shit. Wow, Matthew Modine over Tom Cruise. Can you imagine? Uh, it wasn't just Matthew Modine. Hold on. Let me let me list the people that were considered for Maverick. You ready? Yeah. Do, 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 do. Matthew Modine turned down the Tom Cruise role because he objected to the film's Cold War politics. Patrick <laughs> Patrick Swayze, Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, Matthew Bro- uh, Matthew Broderick, Sean Penn, Michael J. Fox, Scott Bayo, and Tom Hanks all turned down the role of Maverick. Wow. Charlie Sheen, Jim Carrey, Rob Lowe, Kevin Bacon, Eric Stoltz, and Robert Downey Jr. were considered for the role of Maverick. <laughs> Sheen, who was deemed too young for the role, would later go on to spoof the role in the 1991 comedy. Yeah, Hot. which is a funny fucking movie. Yeah, and Hot Shots Part 2. So Eric Stoltz was almost Marty McFly and almost Maverick. That's awesome. But like that list I just read to you was a who's who of... Oh my God, yeah, that's great. actors. It's almost like... Of course you're going to consider these guys. They're all, that's what they do. But some of them are faintly ridiculous, like Jim Carrey or Matthew Broderick. I, I cannot imagine those guys in that role. No, there's a, there was a certain... Intent. Of course, Goose was from Revenge of the Nerds, so you never fucking know. So. Yeah. And Jim Carrey, at the time, wasn't the rubber-faced Ace Ventura that he turned right, out to. Right, right. He was a little bit in Once Bitten. What? Let me ask you, what movie do you remember seeing jim carrey for the first time once bitten and i i want to say the one i remember is before it was the deadpool the uh dirty harry movie 
I saw that, but I don't remember him in it. He's the Axel. He's Welcome to the Jungle, the you know the heavy metal band that is part of the plot. For some reason, I can't remember anymore. He is like the Axel Rose. Oh, really? He's wearing the big fucking wig, like total like stereotypical glam rock guy. It's yeah. Jim Carrey singing Welcome to the Jungle in that movie. Uh, I remember him from Once Bitten and Earth Girls Are Easy. He was in Earth Girls Are Easy? Yeah. Huh. Him and I think it's Marlon Wayans. What, one of the uh, Wayans. I mean, that was Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davison. Yeah. What was it? Down, it was Julie Brown, right? From MTV? Downtown Julie Brown? No, nah, Downtown Julie Brown was, was black. There was Julie Brown. There was Downtown Julie Brown. Julie Brown was like a redhead. Now, wait a second. Why is the black one Downtown Julie Brown? Hey, that's MTV, man. You can't question them. They were cool. It's not racist as MTV does it. <sighs> anyway, that was my... How many notes will it take? How many details will it take? I got I got to get my own next time, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go on a limb and say Ghostbuster. <laughs> hey, screw you. I'm not that original. I, I win. No. Maybe I was thinking Ghostbusters, maybe not. You don't know. I'm not going to for now. <laughs> you just guess yourself out of a win. Good, good job, buddy. No, that was reverse psychology. Now I know you're not going to pick Ghostbusters, so I can pick something else. Going to be Ghostbusters too. <laughs> Damn it. This uh, movie had Bobby Brown in it. That's all I got. <laughs> Wait, uh, Boomerang? <laughs> Wait, was he a Boomerang? I don't know. I know Eddie Murphy was. Yeah. Chris Rock was. Martin so before Lawrence we move was. on to trivia, I have to say that I discovered something this week that I find interesting. And it just popped into my head, so I apologize. This is not in context. It is totally and completely way out there. And I'm going to describe it to you, and you're going to think, oh my god, this guy's a monster. He should be put away. But... If you try it, just give it a try, and you will find that it is not as bizarre as it sounds. It's actually fun. Nip, nipple clamps. Nipple I'm clamps. Way ahead of you. Yep. Nipple. Just try them. If you can, no, hook I tried them. them. Oh yeah. Oh. Hook them. Hook them up to a yeah. car battery, <laughs> or maybe a nine volt. You don't want to really hurt yourself. Uh, you guys. I, I stumbled across a, a map online. As you know, I love maps. I don't. Did you know that? Did you uh, major in cartography? No. Topography? No, I didn't. I didn't major in anything. Uh, if you go to nuclearsecrecy.com <laughs> slash nuke map, it gives you like a Google map of just like going to Google Maps, only it, there's a really cool feature. You can put in any, well, not any, but it's a bunch of different types of warheads that are in the world's arsenal. Hmm. So... You can go all the way back to like one of the the biggest small bombs, uh, way up to the biggest missile that is like the Tomahawk missile, or you know the the largest warhead in the U.S. Uh, weapon system. Yeah. Uh, you can pick a location and you can pick a warhead, and it will show you the blast radius, the fallout radius. It'll show you everything you need to know if that bomb were to hit in that area. Huh. So, for for example. Uh, North Korea just tested their most powerful weapon. Mm-hmm. You can choose that weapon, the yield of that weapon, and you can choose like New York City. And it will take you to New York City and it'll show you the blast radius. It'll show you everything that you like that would happen if uh, they were able to launch uh, an ICBM at New York so City. Did you see how if one hit New York City, we would be affected up here in Maine? Did you do that research? Well, this Just out of curiosity this does uh a um like you can you can choose different 
parameters. One of the parameters is uh, Fallout. One of the parameters is um, if there were multiple launches. You know, it, I highly recommend you go and just give it a try because it yeah. sounds like I'm some evil, maniacal <laughs> person that I would go I, and I did see. a suitcase nuke. How many people can I kill? Yes, there is actually a dirty bomb. There's wow. a terrorist dirty bomb is one of the choices, and it'll show you. And you can also click on a tab that tells you how many people would die and how many people would be oh in. It's a little morbid, but that does sound I'm, Yeah, it sounds morbid, but I tell you what, nuclearsecrecy.com slash nukemat. Check that out, uh, and it you'll find yourself highly entertained blowing up the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's like playing that, uh, was that a virus game? It's like, how oh, can yeah. I kill everybody in the world? Let's play Gink or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Uh, and that's an addicting game, too. Well, anyway, trivia. All right. I'll give you, uh, since you've been grilling me, I'll, I'll give you my trivia question first. How about that? Okay. All right. So this one's kind of off-putting and creepy, but here we go. How, how Okay. A Peruvian woman called Lena is the youngest recorded mother in medical history. How old was she when she gave birth to her you know, I'll even give you a hint. I'll just say son because that's a that's a hint. It's not a hint. I'm just gonna say it anyway. <laughs> uh, she gave birth to a son at what age? She was Ghostbusters. I win. Ghostbusters. She wants a new drug. I'm gonna say she was nine years old. Too old. Like I said, it's uh, creepy. Six. Nope. Are you kidding me? <laughs> nope. Five. Five years, seven months old. And she gave birth. So. She was five. Gave birth so to she a healthy was, kid. So if she were five years and seven months old. She was four during conception. Yeah, like I said, this is some creepy shit. The little anecdote I'm looking at says the biological father has never been established. Uh, it's her fucking uncle or her dad or some shit like that. I guarantee it. Well, if it were her dad, wouldn't it be like genetically all fucked up? Yeah, not necessarily. First generation inbreeding is actually kind of rare. The problem was, you, I don't, don't ask me why I looked into this. Uh, <laughs> 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 Damn, okay, I just keep digging yeah. myself in these weird holes. Let's talk about how much of a creeper you are. <laughs> I find the I find you you find nukes fascinating. I find fucked up incest fascinating. I don't know why. Okay, um, but yeah, like first generation inbreeding is not really a problem. It's when you do generation after generation, you start to get uh, I got gotcha. all, all the you know one nostril blue skinned web toed freak shows. Hmm. Now you can have a problem at first generation, but it's actually the percentages of First generation incest having a high, you know, the, the, the higher risk is negligible. Second generation jumps up pretty considerably. So you know, I can't believe that. Four years old, oh, yep. conceived. Yeah, four years old. At seven, because five years, seven months, four years old. There's some fucked up freaks out there in the world. Well, yeah, it's, unfortunately we know some. Yeah, that's true. But that whatever it says about me, I found morbidly fascinating. And she didn't die. Kid was healthy. How do you tell that to your son when you're, you know? You like graduated high school just as they start high school. <laughs> no, I, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Like, dude, she wouldn't even have the parts. Yeah, not developed. I don't know. I, I, listen to me sit around talking about like I fucking know anything about female development. Well, if you look at the uh, width of the centimeter spread of the fallopian tubes, you can't have. <laughs> uh, that's okay. not a pretty in the know. Well, my trivia question is a little bit more mild creepy. and <laughs> more child-friendly. Oh, okay, I'm not going to say it. 
<laughs> Please say it. Please. <laughs> oh, this was child friendly. Real child friendly. Yeah, I'd say. Um, okay, my trivia question Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, yeah. I like where this is going. Yeah. Dwarfs. One woman, seven, seven dwarfs. What did the Sweven? The Sweven? The Sweven Dwarfs. <laughs> the sweat of the doors. Sweven Dwarfs. <laughs> what did the seven dwarfs do for a living? They whistled. What was their occupation? They whistled while they worked. Were they? I thought they were miners. Like they're yes, miners for... they're miners. See, it was an easy question. Well, so your question was about miners, and my question was about miners. It's just <laughs> I like what you did. Flavors. <laughs> I like what you did. Actually, I think I heard somewhere that the original Grimm's Fairy Tale version of the Seven Dwarfs was, uh, yeah, they like used her as a sex slave. Of course. That's because the grooms were all fucked up. Man, I am creeping it out tonight. I don't know what well, the hell's wrong with me. We had to get to Perv Corner. Yeah, you know, we always got to get to Perv Corner. It took a while, but we got there. Did we have a thought experiment? Did we have one? We haven't had one in a while, I don't think. Huh. Thought experiment. No. Weird. Tell me what you think about horny dwarves. Boom. Uh, space pants. Space pants. That's exactly what I started thinking. When I said horny dwarf, I started thinking of Peter Dinklage. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh all I have to say is all you can eat Taco Tuesday. Oh, nine this time. That's my goal. I know your nine. goal is pretty ambitious. Mine's modest enough. Uh, just nine. Nine nine tacos. Uh, for anybody listening, we're going back to trivia night. We're going back. We're going back in force. We got backup this time. We're going back and we're digging trenches and we are we're digging in. We are going to fight until the last man is standing. We're going to win this. And then we're going to rub it in everybody else's face. I'm going to teabag fucking everybody, every other team. That's right. We're going to run around, dominate and them, like yeah. force high five them. I'm going to do that whole, you know, that picture of uh, VE Day or whatever, where that guy's got grabbed that, the sailor grabbed that nurse and is kissing her in front of yeah. Times Square. You're gonna yeah, I'm going to do that to the hostess. I'm going to yep. totally do that to the hostess. And then mic drop and then walk out. And then try to avoid the cops because I just sexually assaulted some chick, but it's all good. <laughs> drop, just go over and take the mic away from the guy. <laughs> and be like that's that's right bitches you're all my whores and then like do a mic drop and then they'll be like oh, that's an expensive mic and then teabag them. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. oh shit yeah. Uh, hey, yeah i noticed that the psychic down the road from you closed shop i noticed that today i did not notice that until today when i was driving home I was like the fuck did the psychic go they spent all their money on the sign yeah i guess it didn't open up their eyes or anything I see what you... Yeah. Talk about original music. Ace of Bass. Nazis. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I think we need to flesh that out at some point. Yeah, yeah. That's a... No, look it up. Ace of Bass Nazis. You can... It's there. They were Nazis. I think I mentioned that before, but it bears repeating. Because they're Nazis. Yeah. Well, they're all blondie, whiteies. So, of course, they're Nazis. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm satisfied. How about you? I am going to step while I'm ahead because I'm... <laughs> I feel like I'm digging myself another hole this week. So yes, I'm satisfied. All right. Well, if that's all you got, I uh, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to sign off. All right, let's sign off. What do you got? I'm Millie Vanilli Spankwagon <laughs> saying Oak Nuggins. And I am Bob Teabagging of Ace. <laughs> Teabagging of Ace Scully. All right. Give me in your money, Mel. Give me in your money, Mel. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye.